0: Welcome to Oncofarm. I'm your host, John Bizarre. I'm a professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of Farm, ETSU's Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. Uh, we're right smack dab in the middle of November 2023. Uh, got a newly approved uh, drug to talk about. A drug that's been around for a while, just now getting um, approved. And that is Fruquintinib, which was FDA approved uh, almost exactly a week ago on November 8th for metastatic colorectal cancer in patients who've already received, obviously, a xaliplatin, oxaliplatin, um a VEGF inhibiting drug, and an EGFR inhibitor if they were RAS wild type. And this is based off of uh, two studies. One was Fresco, which was 416 patients all in China, and Fresco 2, which were 691 patients uh, internationally, um, and about half of those patients had already received tapiracil, and uh, trifluridine or tri tip, uh, and only eight to nine percent have received regorafenib in that study. And this study Fresco two was published in Lancet in July of this year in twenty twenty three. Um, you know this uh, this uh, Fresco two is, is compared to placebo with a median overall survival that was improved seven point four months, median OS on fruquintinib versus four point eight months on placebo has a ratio of 0.66. 95% confidence interval, 0.55 to 0.8. It's it's sizable, but it is a placebo comparison. 90% of these pages had not received regorafenib. Um, so no no way to judge is it superior from an efficacy standpoint to to regorafenib. Uh, Fruquitnib did have uh, also a, a much larger improvement in progression-free survival, median PFS 3.7 months versus 1.8. Those curves separate quite a bit and pretty drastically, pretty quickly in PFS. So clearly an active drug. This is a VEGF uh, receptor inhibiting drug with uh, VEGF R IC50. So this is the concentration at which half of the receptors are occupied, uh, blocked or not. For VEGF receptor 1, 2, and 3, the IC50s are 33, 35, and 0.5. And that VEGF 3 of 0.5 is very potent, more potent than regorafenib and perhaps more specific, certainly seems more specific. The PI does not mention any other uh, targets inhibited, except for these three VEGF receptors. Uh, in some some uh, PubMed research, I wasn't able to find uh, that inhibits uh, you know any other major pathways, but I assume it does based on the toxicity profile, which we will get to. The dosing for this drug is 5 milligrams daily for 21 days of a 28-day schedule, so three weeks on, one week off. Uh, 5 milligram capsules. There is also a 1 milligram capsule, so If and when patients need dose reduction, they then have to go from taking one 5-milligram capsule to four 1-milligram capsules or to three 1-milligram capsules. A pretty significant warning precaution section in the PI. As you might expect, we're gonna see our standard VEGF uh, on-target toxicities of hypertension, hemorrhage, uh, GI perforation, proteinuria, uh, impaired wound healing, and uh, arterial thrombotic events, we see all those. Hypertension, half of patients, grade three hypertension in 19%, uh, or it could be 14%, depending on my writing. I think it's 19%. Uh, and the median time to, um, to develop uh, hypertension of, of 14 days, so two weeks. Uh, hemorrhage, GI bleed occurred in 6%, 1% grade three, uh, including two fatalities. So, you know, two out of 911 people in clinical trials on this drug died from a GI bleed. That's about a 1 in 1,000. So it's a 0.1% uh, death rate from GI bleeding. Uh, higher risk of infections with this drug, 18% versus 12% and uh, 12% of placebo. Fatal infection, 1% versus 0.3%. Not something I think of as a VEGF toxicity, but if you go and look at the regorafenib PI, that information is in there now. Uh, GI perforation, in 1.3%. Hepatotoxicity, in about half. Grade 3, in about 5%. Um, um, there were, um, you know, there was 0.2% uh, grade 5 uh, hepatotoxicity, and, and the median time to elevate LFTs was 29 days. So LFTs need to be monitored at baseline periodically, probably monthly makes sense. Proteinuria 36%, you don't see a lot of proteinuria with VEGF targeting TKIs, much more common with, with monoclonal antibodies like uh, bevacizumab. Uh, 2.5% grade 3 or worse proteinuria, and this may be a suggestive of some greater VEGF inhibition uh, here with fruquintinib. Um, Palmer-Plantar Erythrodysesthesia, our hand-foot syndrome, occurred in 35%, uh, 8% being grade three, and that's often a raft ta- toxicity. So maybe some off-target effect. If you throw in hand-foot skin reaction, that number goes up to uh, goes up a little bit higher here. Um, uh, what else? Impaired wound healing is a possibility. Arterial thrombotic events in 0.8%, so heart attack, stroke, things like that. Uh, arterial occlusion uh, and extremities could happen. Um, interestingly, there is a warning precaution about patients who can have an allergic reaction if they have an allergy to food, drug, and cosmetic dye yellow number five and yellow number uh, six, um, or yellow yet yeah, yellow number one, which are in or yellow number six, which are in the one milligram capsule. So the 5-milligram capsule is okay if you have this allergy. Now, if food drug FD&C yellow number 5 sounds familiar, it is uh, a line in the movie Die Hard. Uh, the, the beat cop, played by the dad from Family Matters, is talking, they're talking about Twinkies on the walkie-talkie. Um, Die Hard, some people say it's a Christmas movie, so it may be in ro- your rotation coming up. Uh, but interestingly, if you have that allergy, to, and this is in the label to... Yellow number five, you have those patients that have a high, um, also risk often of aspirin hypersensitivity. Uh, Those folks can take the five milligram capsule, but the one milligram capsule has that risk of allergic reaction. From an other toxicity standpoint, we see stomatitis in 31% versus 7.8% in placebo. And I'm gonna uh, go down the list here and tell you the the frequency of these side effects with frequentinib versus placebo. Diarrhea, 24% versus 11% hypothyroidism 21 percent one in five versus less than one percent dysphonia 18 percent often manifesting as uh, not being able to talk for a long time or your voice getting out or getting hoarse quickly 18 percent versus five percent musculoskeletal pain 16 percent versus seven percent increased in triglycerides 53 percent versus 22 percent you don't say that with vegf inhibitors you know you see that with mTOR inhibitors uh, we also see an increase in cholesterol with fruquintinib. maybe that's also um yeah you know, also something to the mTOR inhibitor so maybe there's some off-target stuff going on not sure about that uh thermocytopenia 30 compared to 4.7 percent with placebo um so so a drug that certainly has quite a bit of toxicity on paper looks like it might be better tolerated than regorafenib however which is going to be kind of its main competitor in the space again Fewer than 10% of people on Fresco 2 had already had regorafenib, so, you know, I think either drug would be reasonable in this patient population, um, you know, the folks with um, with colorectal cancer uh, who've gone through everything. Now, of course, you know, tapiracil and uh, trifluoridine plus Bevacizumab is kind of now a standard of care in this space, so another example of a drug being approved based on comparison, in this case to placebo, which is certainly not something that you would do in, in this study. So, you know, we feel very good about fruquentinib's activity in this disease space, but uh, it was kind of a low bar to clear in beating placebo, but I'm not gonna harp on it too much because it's better than just, you know, phase two response rate data. From a pharmacokinetic standpoint, um, you know, it has a half-life of about 42 hours, so two days, so that's, that's pertinent for those folks who maybe need a procedure because of the impaired wound healing uh, that is inherent with any VEGF inhibitor. Uh, it's metabolized by CYP3A4, but also uh, undergoes hepatic metabolism via sulfonation and glucuronidation, which is important because it's less uh, likely to have drug interactions with 3-4 inhibitors. And in fact, the label only says to avoid strong 3-4-inducers, like rifampin from a drug interaction standpoint. So a fairly clean drug from a drug-drug interaction standpoint, no apparent drug interactions with QT prolonging agents because it doesn't cause that, uh, or PPIs, or drugs like fluconazole, these these uh, three or four inhibitors. Um, most of the drugs 60% excreted in the urine, uh, only 0.5% unchanged, so these are those sulfonated and glucuronide metabolites probably in the urine. 30% excreted in the feces, only 5% as unchanged drug. Um, so no dose reductions for for moderate renal or hepatic impairment. Anything worse, of course, we don't know. Has not been studied. So fruquintinib, new drug uh, that that's come out uh, to be uh, to be aware of. All right, the the last thing I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to keep this a little bit short here. Was this publication uh, that came out um, last week um, in the New England Journal of Medicine, osimertinib with or without chemotherapy for EGFR-mutated non-small cell lung cancer. Now, this is a positive study and that it shows an improvement in progression-free survival. It's a fairly sizable improvement in, in progression-free survival. Um, so this is oc you know, kind of standard dose here for our uh, EGFR-mutated non-small cell lung cancer, plus four cycles of platinum, either cis, at 75 per meter squared, or carboplatin, uh, I, I believe at AUC5, yeah, AUC5, plus pemetrexed. Followed by OC mertinib and then pemutrex maintenance compared to just OC mertinib alone. Now, there, especially in um, in Asian countries, there are some data about chemotherapy plus jafitnib compared to just jafitnib showing that the combination is better. We have not done that here. We have not we have not been fans of chemo and, uh, and EGFR TKIs in this disease state because it's been studied like with erlotinib and didn't show benefit. Um, you know, here we are seeing, you know, a, a median improvement in uh, progression, of, or median PFS of 25 months versus 17 months, 25.5 versus 16.7. That's pretty, that's pretty sizable. Now, most of that benefit uh, is derived from patients who had baseline CNS disease, which is a little odd because we don't think of chemotherapy as crossing the blood-brain barrier, but oc Martinib does. Um, but there clearly is something there in prolonging PFS in, in these patients, especially those with, with brain meds at baseline. And if you have brain meds at baseline, you probably have an overall larger burden of disease, although that's not necessarily going to be perfectly correlated. Um, however, and there also was a statistically significant improvement in PFS2, which is a nice surrogate for overall survival. Now, the overall survival curves are pretty much perfectly overlapping here. And we're only, at, I think, you know less than a third maturity of our overall survival data. So this is kind of the whole crux of why uh, you know we talk about the, these data and interpreting clinical trials because uh, we don't know that giving chemo plus a TKI versus just TKI alone in this space improves overall survival. And that's kind of what we want. We want people to live longer or to live better. We don't know that yet. Now we won't know that probably for another couple of years. And so if you have a patient in front of you in clinic, newly diagnosed, there is a suggestion that this is the better regimen. They're, they're more likely to, to live without their disease progression on a more intensive and more toxic and more expensive regimen than just O.C. of alone. We don't know in the long run if that's going to prove overall survival. So do you gamble and try to get on the right bus thinking that this is going to be the better bus in the long run when this bus may end up being more expensive and a harder journey and not actually take you farther than just doing OC-mertinib alone, and then when they inevitably progress, then do chemotherapy, okay? Now that question is outstanding, and to really interpret that question, we we'll have to wait for longer follow-up and to see uh, what was the second-line therapy these patients got, okay? So presumably the people who get OC-mertinib first, they, when they progress, or just OC-mertinib, when they progress, then they get chemotherapy. Uh, a really interesting question are the patients who get cisplatin for four cycles, is there going to be a definition of a of a platinum-refractory, platinum-sensitive disease in EGFR-mutated lung cancer? So if you get platinum-based chemo, you get your four cycles. And again, the median PFS for the folks who are getting chemo and oc is 20-some months. So many of these folks are going more than 6 and 12 months and then progress. Are you reintroducing a carboplatin-based regimen? And probably not with pemetrexed because they've been on pemetrexed maintenance. But if you can do carbo, pemetrix, and OC-mertinib, and then OC-mertinib plus PEM maintenance, and then you do a carbopaclitaxel, are you able to get platinum twice, in other words? And does that then have long-term overall survival benefit in these patients? That question, you know, we don't know. And I really don't have a, a you know, I could see how that could be beneficial in the long run. I could see how this maybe ends up having an overall survival advantage. I could not, you know, the the OS Katmire curve is is too mature, you know, at least initially for the first month, OC Mertinib is winning compared to OC Mertinib plus chemo. By 24 months, OC Mertinib plus chemo is winning. If you're kind of looking at this as a horse race, uh, you know, we're still at the second post. We still have a couple turns to go until we see which of these drugs has, uh, or which of these regimens would end up being better. Are they equivalent? Um, Or are we not able to tell because the the subsequent therapy arm is, is, is not up to snuff? in this in this arm questions we won't know um, for all but certainly there was quite a bit more toxicity here uh in the oc mertinib plus chemo arm compared to just compared to just oc mertinib so i uh, i really don't think a lot of folks are going to jump on this regimen some people may i think that if i'm being honest if i were one of these non-smokers who got unlucky with an eGFR mutation i probably would try to do chemo and oc Mertnib. Uh, with with the hope, and it's a hope, it's an educated guess, that I could then receive benefit from platinum-based chemo uh, more than a year down the line after getting a limited number of cycles up front. It also may be reasonable to do uh, chemotherapy uh, for four cycles and then EGFR. That's, that's not recommended in the guidelines, but it is an option in the guidelines if you start chemo and then come to find out later you have uh, EGFR mutated disease. This is something we'll follow to see you know certainly when, when we get the follow-up for this data uh, and see if, if guidelines change uh, in this space but this is, this is a little bit tough to, tough to predict what will happen here with this overall survival um, uh, in, this, uh, in this EGFR mutated non-small cell lung cancer because they do pretty well on just TKI alone. Uh, another possible argument for jumping on OC plus chemo before we have the confirmatory overall survival data is that maybe then, uh, because you get some extra benefit until they progress, that there might be a new EGFR TKI that has activity in OC martinib resistance. Um, and, and that's uh, you know an example of just trying to, each regimen you hope, each first line regimen gets a little bit better and then you get a better second line regimen. Of course, that's also uh, a gamble and um, and maybe less of an educated guess about what will come next, but a hope. That is what I have for you this week. Um, thank you so much for, for listening. Um, uh, next week, uh, next Thursday, probably no podcast, because uh, it'll be Thanksgiving here in the United States. So uh, give thanks. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow me on the app for me known as Twitter, at FarmDeetNib, and you can follow the podcast on most social media platforms, at OnkuFarmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember... Doses matter.